You're right, me lover. Right, me lover. How was COVID? Was it all right? The first side effect I had was an ache where I had the vaccine. Yeah. And then that just moved up into my shoulders. You've got COVID, you fought it and you've come out the other side. Yeah, and I didn't get to take a single day off work, which is sad. This is Sheer Isolation. It's presented by Kieran Moore in Trowbridge and John Ponting in Cricklade. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us. This is Sheer Isolation. I am John in Cricklade. Kieran is over in Trowbridge. You had an absolutely hella busy weekend. Uh, give us a bit of the background because um, it looked fantastic. Oh, so Alco Papa Cruiser. So it's Jack from Alcopop Records, which is one of my favourite record labels in the UK, a little independent one. And every couple of years, he throws a boat, a party on a boat, on one of those pleasure cruises you get on the Thames. They hold like 180 people and he packs it with bands. And it's, it's just wonderful. It's just absolutely wonderful. But they are also bedlam, absolute bedlam. So I get there at four o'clock because I want to make sure I get all my gear down to the quayside, ready to get on the boat, right? And you just never know what the traffic's going to be like or the parking situation or any of that chance. So we get down there. We're two hours early, right? And the crew on the boat, so you're not allowed on until six. They let the audience on the boat at 6.45, which means I've got 45 minutes to get the gear onto the boat, set it up and sound check a band. And I absolutely knocked it out of the park. Uh, four bands played. They were all fabulous. The whole thing was a roaring success. Big shout out to my friend Jack Bell, who helped me with the PA. Uh, absolute trooper. The whole thing was just fantastic. And then the next day, we had Semantics in Trowbridge Town Hall. And I just want to cover this quickly, because at the end of the set, Sam unplugs his ukulele. He comes into the audience. And he does a song in front of the audience. He sings a song. And there's this one member of the audience sat in front of him who's crying. And this song is all about hope and love and the future. And, and this guy's just crying. So Sam naturally comes to the end of this song and he goes, is it okay? Can I just give you a hug, please? <laughs> it's not great. You have a hug and it's a really beautiful moment. And then the rest of the audience just hug and everyone hugs and everyone's crying. <laughs> I've never seen that happen. Anyway, the purpose of the show, as you may well have guessed, is to promote the uh, local music and art scene by promoting uh, music and gigs and stuff that is happening. We have got a guest joining us very shortly. Tim Orchard is a chap from Bath and he previously or how I met him was through Moles in Bath and he was a promoter for a well he was a promoter for a promoting organization and record label called Per Per Promotions and they literally taught well he you know gave me all the advice I could possibly need in the very early stages of my of my sort of career he literally taught me how to be a promoter he gave me my first break at Moles back in 2005, 2006. The guy's a legend. Hopefully we're going to get some wonderful stories out of him in just a moment. Look forward to that. And um, let's move on to our track then. We have got a track by Tenderlaw. Who are they? They are Southwest based, um, but they happen to be performing this weekend at Trowbridge Town Hall Arts. Um, I did a quick YouTube check to see, you know, what they're up to, what they're doing. And remarkably, they are on about six dozen Sofa Sounds sessions. So that's a future guest, John, Sofa Sounds. But for the time being, uh, this is a Tenderlaw and a song called Annie's Ghost. You, you said Annie's Angel earlier. This is a song by Tenderlaw called Annie's Angel. <laughs>
That track is Anna's Angel. It is by Tendlaw. Uh, they're playing in Trowbridge this weekend, or you can find them. Uh, I'm assuming this is part of a tour. Do you know? Uh, you know what? I have a feeling this is just sort of a one-off. Just have to look out for them online then. That's uh, yeah. Tender Spout in the usual way, then L-O-R-E. Tendlaw. Right. Um, so, product placement. It, yes. What have you got? A book? Ah, I've got Math, Math, Math Trick, Maths, because I'm not American. Maths Tricks to Blow Your Mind. Uh, this is a book by Kyle D. Evans. And uh, Kyle will be known to many people because he was in a really popular band from Portsmouth. He played all over the southwest Swindon. They were massively popular at 2000 Trees. And he was in a band called the Retrospective Soundtrack Players, who remain one of my favourite bands and groups of people. Everything they penned and wrote was just genius and fantastic. Well, Kyle is also a maths teacher. Way, And he's written some books on maths. Um, so this is me supporting what he does. But also, it's kind of cool. Do you want to give us an example? What? Give, give us some, give to, some trick. I can't because it's maths. It's, really, it's, it's not complex. Sounds like a great, uh, great idea for a gift for Christmas. So uh, what was it called? 
Maths Tricks to Blow Your Mind. It's a, a journey through viral maths. It might even just be related to internet stuff. So who knows? But um, bloody good fun. Great scro- uh, stocking fillers or that present for your awkward uncle. You just don't know what to get them. Or aunt, because we're not exclusionary here. Available from all good bookshops and probably Amazon as well. But bookshops first. Bookshop. I bought mine from Devices Books. Right, Kieran, so it is time for us to uh, introduce this week's guest, who is um, Tim Orchard, who is a chap you've known for years, a fellow music promoter and also songwriter. This, this interview, it, it's kind of turned into a masterclass for anyone who wants to do what you do, is like getting into music promotion and like starting off in, in the smaller venues and getting your bands in and knowing the do's and don'ts of what you should be doing. It was fascinating to listen to you two. Very lovely of you to say so. It was That was really lovely little trip down memory lane, really. But also like imparting to him what he did for me really because I don't think he appreciated a lot of that at the time that <laughs> we do talk a lot in this interview about some um, per promotions which is um the name of Tim's promotion company and also moles in Bath and for people who um who don't know moles it's a very pokey but incredibly popular venue and they've had some incredible names in there they, they punch well above their weight in terms of um floor space well yeah that is it's called moles because it's subterranean so you have to go down the steps and go underground. So yes, but uh, it's t- it is tiny. And if you are local and you know, a couple of years ago it actually burned down. So um, it's looking a lot cleaner than it used to in the nineties and early noughties. <laughs> I've, I've not been in there actually since they've kitted it out again. So I don't know. What oh, it's great like. down there. I mean, it was great before, but it's it's really great now. Anyway, over to Tim. <laughs> At the moment, I'm doing quite a lot of songwriting with various uh, bands and things so there's a couple of bands in um italy uh, a band called the mad rollers a band called judah and a band called zach and i work with all three of them and i write songs and they have albums that come out you know physical albums on vinyl and cd and the like so i've been doing a lot of that recently so i had no idea you did that because you were in bands before weren't you yeah i was in bands when i was in when i was in my um teenage years and then I retired when I when I hit my 30s I thought I've time to retire but then I got talked back into it and then I've realized now that the time to retire is when you actually drop dead on the stage in front of an audience so so <laughs> someone said something similar to me once I thought about giving it all up sort of you know and they said yeah. Kieran, if you're still doing it by the time you're 30 you'll do it forever and here I am yeah. 38 plowing oh, on okay yeah, yeah yeah since I hit my 50s I've been doing all sorts of uh, exciting things with all sorts of people. So uh, I started running a club night in in London. Uh, you know, I obviously did Purr in Bath for 10 years. We'll come to Purr in a minute. <laughs> yeah. But um, m- more recently, I've been doing um, glam rock club nights or obscure, obscure beneath the radar glam rock club nights. <laughs> is, that, is that modern yeah. glam rock bands or is that old, like, old, That's, old stuff? So it's like, um, I don't know whether you know, um, like compilations like Nuggets, where um, it's, it's basically all the British invasion stuff, which influenced all the American bands in the 60s. Yeah. And then someone made a compilation, which was really kind of um, influential. And then that's been done recently with uh, bands from the 70s. So bands, most, most people think that between the beginning of the 70s and punk, nothing happened. But, but everything happened every week, as you know, you know. Of course. So, There's very rarely that nothing ever happens. There's always something exactly. happening. And I'm usually I'm usually interested in the sort of like the uh, the soft underbelly of what's happening, you know. Though, so if that makes any sense. Well, well actually, no. That, re- that actually that's a really nice segue into how we met. We met at Purr at Moles Club in Bath on the Purr yeah. nights, and yes. 
what you described there is very much what I liked about music. It was all those unknown bands, all those all those underbelly things, the things that were yeah. happening, people doing things slightly different. They couldn't get famous because they were awkward, but they were yeah. just brilliant outliers. Yeah. Um, and that's what made me love Purr. And yeah. you you were Purr. Who was it that you did Purr with? It was... Well, it was basically me, but uh, and whoever else would be foolish enough to join in with me at the time. So when I started doing it, like I think the first year, it was just me with someone promising to turn up eventually that never did. Uh-huh. But you know, I did it for 10 years and then I just thought it was time to jump off the roundabout because someone else would jump on, you know. But I think, and I think the jumping on was me because um, you had a Thursday night at Moles, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was it was around about 2004, I think, that I started doing my own gigs and we had the Fog Band play. Oh, right. OK, yes, yes. Yeah. My favourite band. Yeah, they're my favourite band. Oh, I just love them. Love them. When you came yeah. over to Devizes to because I think I think the, the boys in the band had encouraged you, Ollie and that, they'd encouraged you to come over. And you came yeah. over with all your per merch, which I loved. And yeah. this is weird back room of a pub in the middle of the, one of the housing estates. And I it remember, was round. Yeah. Yeah. Head to toe rounds with people, absolutely buzzing. Yeah. I think yeah. it was at that moment that you went, "Oh yeah, okay, that that makes sense." And you uh, you put a good word in with Phil at Moles, and I got a Monday night at Moles off the back of your word. Oh, so, brilliant! Okay, cool. Thanks, Tim. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> that set me up for that set me up for life. After that, I was good. I was away then. I started doing it completely by accident. It was like a girlfriend of mine wanted to. Um, DJ there and uh, and I couldn't convince Candy that ran the night before me uh, titillate uh, I couldn't I couldn't convince her to give them a DJ slot and then um, she wanted to go and do something else and and it, and it got offered to me so I thought okay and then I can give them a DJ slot and also I kept on uh, recommending bands to Candy and she said Tim the bands you talk about will never ever play in Bath under any circumstances because they live in America and things like this yeah. you know? And um, and there was a band called the Demolition Doll Rods that I wanted to give a gig to. They were from um, from Detroit, and um, she said that will never ever happen. So that was the first one of the first bands I went for. So Amazing. and I got them. <laughs> you got them. Yeah. Well, that's it. I can I can remember um, because you had the first UK show of Japanese band, the Five Six Seven Eights. We did, yeah, and we had an all ages show as well. And so there yeah. were seven year olds meeting them, you know. So. And that was, I, I was just blown away by that because it was, it's the way that you went about doing it. You just, you know, you literally contacted them and said, like, would you like a date? And it yeah. became their first gig of their first UK tour. I was just yeah. like, that's insane. But it, it was that way that you, well, particularly inspired me is to just, just be ambitious, but like yeah. in your own way, not like ambitious, try and get Oasis to play Moles again 20 years after they were massively famous. But instead was, it's like... I was there that night. Were you? <laughs> When I was just played roles, yeah. <laughs> I had, I, I was, um, I was writing for a local newspaper, and I was had a like a column, like I had a two pages uh, to fill about music. I got asked along by Whiteout, actually, the the band that supported them. Right, and you went, yeah, sure. Yeah, wow. so I ended up on the tour bus, so that was fun, you know. But the the five, six, seven, eight thing, um, Phil Phil Andrews told me that the uh, not to do all ages shows because yeah. uh, it wouldn't work. And then after I left, they did loads of all ages shows. So I tried to convince him that the future generation of Bowls attendees were currently underage. And if yeah. you let them in and give them that experience and let them see live music, they'll remember it forever. And it will be forever, you know, in their hearts that, that that's what they did, you know? So Absolutely. But what I want to know, well, you did you said you were you were you were, did work to the paper in that, but what did you do before you were a promoter? 
What, what got you into music in the first instance? My uncle, when I was about four, and it was because my granny and granddad were really boring and I, and I couldn't bear to be in the same room as them. So and he, <laughs> he used to be playing music in another room. So I used to just migrate into this room and sit there. And it was full of smoke. But once the smoke cleared, um, you know, there was all these records all over his bed. So I, I started lifting them up and saying, what does this one sound like? Play this one, play this one, you know. And, and he used to end up giving me piles and piles of records. So I got into records when I was about four or five. Wow. And then um, I got into buying records when I was nine. And I got into um, being in bands when I was 15. And then I got into writing about bands after that. And then I got into promoting bands after that. So what would you say were some of your better or, most, or highlights or certainly the small band that are now massive? The thing about the small bands that are now massive, that troubles me. Uh, I, I like the small bands that stay small. And, I, and I, like the, I like the bands that aren't interfered with by record labels. And I like the bands that manage to keep their second cousin on bass, even though he's got a big nose, that kind of thing, you know? So, yeah. so I'm, I'm all up for that kind of thing. And it troubles me when, when um, a band used to first come and play for me. It was usually like with their mums and dads and it was brilliant. And then if they if they were still going two years later, it would be with lots of middle management idiots that would just be demanding where's where's the food rider, where's the drinks rider, where's our individual keys to the dressing room, where's our towels, you know that kind of yeah. thing, you know. And yeah. I just thought, oh, go away. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, I had my first experience of that at Moles when I had as one of my last gigs at Moles before um, I left and went somewhere else. Their their tour manager turned up. And I was, yeah, I was 21, 22. I was quite young. I was still reasonably inexperienced at that level. And he produced this contract for me to sign. And I just signed it. And yeah, there you go, mate. So he goes, right, I want this. I want that. You signed the contract. And he frogged marched me round moles. It was all right in the end, but it taught me a very valuable lesson, never to sign anything. <laughs> and- well, yeah, I used to have contracts for most of the headlining bands I had uh, into Moles, uh, unless they were bands where I'd instigated it completely by myself and when sure. I'd actually got them to come over to the country and then find them other gigs to play around the country to make it viable. But when it was um, a, a contractual thing, I always used to re- thoroughly read the, the contract and, and negotiate and, uh, you know, um, and cut the food rider down to something more reasonable. Yeah. And yes. this, this kind of thing. And they'd always thought that there's always be like a way they'd try and get you. And one time I remember I'd left this thing where they'd asked for 30 guests and, and I forgot and I, and I missed that bit out. But, but um, normally speaking, but the trouble is the tour manager and the agent never talk to each other. So you have to bring a physical copy of the contract to the gig and say, read it and weep, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> Unlucky, mate. <laughs> Try yeah, next no, time. So. Well, one of the best bits of advice you gave me about promoting um, was, um, was in Moles. And you said to me, Kieran, what you've got to do is document everything you do to promote the show. And then if in the event that nobody comes, you can prove that you did everything you possibly could to make the show. Yes, you know, yeah, yeah. Good. And that is worth more than, you know, anything else. It really sets out the, how people view and think about you. And yeah, I did yeah, that yeah. For, for many years prior to the invention of social media when it all took over. You know, you, I would be taking photocopies of like magazines and clippings yeah. and so on, presenting yeah. it to the band as they arrived. Yeah. You'd be amazed how the reaction people had to that. They thought that was incredible. Yeah. That's exactly what we, as you know, that's exactly what we did. We, we, yeah. we, we did, buy every publication, photocopy it, give it to them because that was the only way they'd get that, that stuff. I can remember one time I, I didn't, I did embarrass myself in front of you once. 
because right at the beginning, uh, you know, I was chatting. I said, "Oh, Tim, I, I've come across this brand that I love. You should, you should totally get them. They're called Sixty Five Days of Static." And you turned around, and you said to me, "You said, Kieran, I've had them twice." Yeah, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and I felt like such a because I probably should have known that, but I, mm. I just didn't know it. And I was just like, ah, oh. but also it really underlines the fact that they were a support band when they played for you at Moles. Yeah, 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 yeah grown on to be this huge mammoth of a band yeah and that kind of also underlines how it's important to watch support bands because yeah. if you're doing it the way that you did it which was really curated nights you know you had a very clear idea of what you're trying to achieve and how you want people yeah. to feel and sound like and I try and do that with my shows I try and make bands yeah. complement each other all the rest of it and yeah you always picked incredible support acts Thank you. I mean, the, the, the thing is, well, I had people used to come up and say, uh, I came here tonight to watch the headliners, but I like the two supports more. And, this beca- and people would think when, we, when I said, I'm going to give you a gig, they thought I'd forgotten, but I hadn't. I was just waiting for the right lineup, you know, to make yeah. it the perfect show. And then I get my DJs to listen to the bands and, you know, look at their lists of influences or, or things they were into and just create the whole night around that particular theme and it always worked really really well and uh i went to at least three weddings where people had sort of like got married because they'd met at my night you know oh amazing and there was like a one couple had like a storyboard of flyers for my gigs where they <laughs> arranged at this gig to meet at this gig and then at that gig to meet at this gig you know so that's incredible that so was good it was good fun I kept every flyer of every gig I ever went to, and I've got I have got a section of moles uh, per flyers. So cool. yeah, yeah. There you go. So if you could just pick a song that you are, uh, it could be one you released if you wanted, or anything that you particularly want people to hear again. I, I went to HTV Studios with the Fog Band, uh, and we and they did Law of the Sea live on television, and and it was fantastic. And I remember it being absolutely pinned to the wall by the band, you know, like by the force of the music. And I, I felt like I was like 15 again. It was um, a real kind of moment.
So that song was Pete and the Pirate, Mr. Understanding, in lieu of any footage of the Fog Band, because YouTube didn't exist when all these bands were knocking around per. As a result, there isn't a video of, of Fog Band on YouTube. Yeah, and then that track um, we've just played, that, that's obviously not a new track. I mean, it, the video was uploaded 13 years ago, but I don't know exactly when, the, when that tune was released. It probably was released in 2008. It probably was released then because per, they did put all these singles out by these bands. That sort of 2004 wave of indie rock bands like Block Party and, and so on. There was there were so many bands in that era. And Pete and the Pirates were, came from that era. But I've just noticed that, that song had had a million views on YouTube. So they weren't a small band. They did all right for themselves. Mm. Um, so that probably came after they were signed to Per. But nevertheless... Per did put out their first single. We just can't, we just don't have a video for it. We just don't have a video for it. And that's what you, ha- that's what you get for dealing with niche bands. <laughs> and being really pernickety about tracks must have videos for our YouTube content. <laughs> Sorry, Tim, but we chose one that I think you'll appreciate. On to news then, on to news quickly. There has been a lot of talk across Bristol, actually across the UK, a campaign just to raise awareness about spiking in nightclubs which I know you were looking into as a a venue runner yourself. There was, I think, last weekend, or this weekend just gone, it was an official protest for for, for women in general to not go out on Saturday night. I don't know how successful or anything about it, to be honest. It it was all quite last minute that I realised it was even happening. But yes, there has been an awful lot of an increase in spiking of drinks. And it's not just dropping a pill into a drink. We've also been injecting people. And that is just downright terrifying, frankly. And it's got to stop. And men have got to, it's, it's always men. They've got to be responsible for our actions. And it's generally terrifying. But I did send a message to David at the town hall in Trowbridge where I work. We're going to have a conversation about how we advertise the fact that it's not acceptable and that we have a policy on it and so on and so forth. And just really bring that conversation to the streets of Trowbridge and say, you know, let's not do that. So... Yeah, it's really, really sad to, to find out that it's happening and that it's so prevalent. And mm. um, we are going to try and track down somebody from one of the local campaign groups just to see if they can uh, give us a bit of advice and some hints and tips and just raise a bit more uh, awareness from from their side. Obviously, they'll have that's a good shout, John. First hand experience of, of having to to deal with the victims of this. So let, let's try and track somebody down to chat to us in, in a future episode. If you want to get in touch with us, then the best way of doing that is to email sheerisolation at gmail.com or you can look up on the website sheerisolation.co.uk. That is sheer with two E's. Uh, get in touch. Tell us about uh, any new videos you've got coming out if you're in a band or any gigs or anything uh, you want to talk about uh, to do with the local music scene. Music gossip. Count me in. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, in that case, we will leave it at that. So thank you for listening, That's everybody. That's a wrap, John. Thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, we will be back uh, next week with another guest and some more tracks. So uh, until then... Take it easy. Stay safe. Ciao. Later. Bye-bye now.